Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. As we look to Jesus, the Bible promises we actually look more like Jesus. Our life begins to reflect the nature of his life more and more as we give him our attention, as we give him our focus, and as we give him our reflection. And so today uh, is no different. We're going to open up scripture. and We're going to believe for God to do the miraculous that he would use this book to speak to us. Are you with me in faith this morning? We are uh, we're in a season that many refer to as Advent, Advent season, which means like the anticipation towards the coming of a savior, the anticipation towards the coming of Jesus. God loves the world. Probably the most quoted scripture ever quoted, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. God had a plan in place. He had a plan in place to express his love to the world. How many people you make preparations, you plan on how you want to express your love through giving? Anybody? You've made a list, you've checked it twice, right? You've got a preparation, you've got a plan. I know for some that plan, it started a while ago. My daughter, Kezia, our oldest daughter, she loves to give gifts. And her preparation for giving this Christmas started months ago. Months ago, she began to curate ideas and to curate thoughts. And, and months ago, she began to come over and she'd whisper, like, hey, Dad, I think I've decided what I'm going to get Mom. Like for her birthday? No, for Christmas. It's February. You know? She's like, I know, but I I've been preparing. I've been planning. And then I, I hear I, I see her go over, you know, middle of the summer. She's like, Hey Ty, I think I've got the perfect idea for what we can get Sophie for Christmas. She's been preparing. She's been planning because she so loves people. And she loves to give. And her plan was not a spur of the moment, like, oh, I guess I should. I guess I, I'm supposed to. It was with preparation, with loving intent, with purposefulness that she made a way to prepare. And months ago, she finished. Months ago. And on a daily basis, she's going, hey, Dad, I am so excited for you to get what I got you for Christmas. I'm so excited. Like, she is building this hope way up. It's like, Dad, you're, you're going to love. And honestly, if she picked something for me similar to what she picked for the kids, it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be amazing. She has made preparation, and she's planned, and she's just kind of, <laughs> oh, it's going to be so good. I think she's already planned next Christmas. Like, she's already beginning. It's amazing. I, I, I feel like the, the heart of the Father towards us is similar. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And he didn't give Jesus on a whim. He started talking about it hundreds of years before it happened. Hundreds of years before it happened, he just began to drop little hints. He'd be like, hey, Isaiah, <laughs> tell him this. Tell him this. Uh, he will be born and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then Isaiah is in a setting like this. He's like, I feel like God's just telling me to let you know one day. Uh, a baby's going to be born named Emmanuel. And God's like, <laughs> oh, man, you're going to love this. You are going to, <laughs> you're going to go crazy. So purpose fit for you. Why? Because you're broken. But Jesus, whoa, he's going to bring wholeness to you. You're going to love it. 
Why? Because you are are hopeless, but Jesus is going to come embodying hope. Why? Because you are are in turmoil, constantly feeling so ashamed and so guilty, but he's he's the Prince of Peace, and he's God with you. You're going to know what it feels like to to draw near to me. You're going to know what it means and feels like to, to be close. And so for hundreds of years, God's just dropping little hints. I've been preparing this before I even decided to create the earth. I've been preparing to send Jesus to you so you could know what it's like to be totally free. It's pretty exciting. Jesus, the gift of God to humanity. And today in this season of of Advent, we, we stop and we reflect and we remember that Jesus coming to humanity and, and showing up on the scene of a broken, dying, hurting world is not just a momentary respite. It's not just a, a, a moment of relief that he brought in history. It is eternal. And the coming of Jesus that happened in Bethlehem that day is a reminder. It's like a precursor for the fact that he will return again for his church. He will return again for those who have simply, like it says in John 3.16, received the gift that God gave. That looked and they saw, hey, there's a gift. It's got my name on it. it says it's, it's to me, God's gift, because he loves me. Wonder what's inside. Anyone who would take that moment to open up and receive the gift of Jesus inherits eternal life. And Jesus is coming again. And so in the same way that there was anticipation for hundreds of years for Jesus to come, God has been anticipating the return of Christ for hundreds of years. And, and all across the earth, there's these little moments bubbling up. Like I told you today, my friends in Kampala, Uganda, have planted a church. Like Africa will never be the same. This generation is going to be changed. And it's like God is in heaven going, oh, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> look what's going to happen in Africa. I'm doing this. Gabriel, do you see this? Hey, Michael, do you see what Jesus is doing? It's amazing, going to change the world. I believe he looks on us today. The Bible actually says this, that the eyes of the the Lord look upon the earth for the hearts of those who are committed that he might strengthen them. I think today his eyes are scanning over Vancouver. He's like, oh, check out what I'm doing. Underneath the library of all places. Like the library is quiet, but it's loud down in the basement. I'm doing something amazing. And it's a gift to the city. And it's a gift to this generation. Why? Because I love it. And Jesus is coming Again, Jesus is coming in. Last week we talked about hope, the hope of Christmas, the hope that you see in the anticipation of of people like Zechariah and Elizabeth who were blameless but barren, who, who were living in every way the way they thought they should but had not yet seen the results, and God in a moment of interaction breathes hope back into them. And reminds them that all the promises God makes come true. And today, in the season of Advent, I want to be reminded about faith. I want to be reminded about faith. If you're taking notes today, you can can write down the title of today's message. It's really simple. Got it. Got it. You can write that down. Got it. My son Titus is 10 years old. Titus, uh, he, he's, very, uh, he's very conscientious to do what he's asked to do. And when given instruction of any type, his answer is very simple. Got it. 
I love Titus because if he's corrected on something, he's, he's not like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's just like, well, this is new information I didn't know before. I'm not sorry for what I did because I didn't know before. But now that I know, got it. He's like, locked it in. Got it. I hear you. It's like this acknowledgement. He's like, yep, got it. Like, hey, Titus, next time, instead of, like, putting your wet shoes over here, do you mind putting them here? He's not like, oh, Dad, I got the floor wet. I didn't. He's like, yep, got it. Got it. And it's almost like this thing. He's like, you can check me next time. Like, next time, if I leave my wet shoes there and not there, that's on me. But now that I have this new information, got it. I think that's a little bit of, like, like what faith is like. The Bible says this, faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. Faith is not something that we mix up on the inside of ourselves and kind of get, get my faith on. That's not how it works. Faith is a response to what we've heard. Faith is when God has spoken to us, we say, got it. I'm going to change my whole course of action because of what you just said. Got it. I'm not going to sit and regret what's happened in the past because the past is in the past. But now that I know this new information, my future is about to change. Got it. That's what faith looks like. It's really simple. I think there's lots of people who turn faith into this call of repentance. They're like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. You didn't know. You didn't know. Now that you know, do something about it. That's faith. That's the simplicity of obedience of faith. And I think there's times God is speaking like new direction into your life. He's speaking new purpose into your life. And you spend all the time psychoanalyzing your past. And why didn't I know this before? Because God didn't tell you before. But now that he's told you, do it. That's what obedience is like. And God in his wisdom, he doesn't throw at us everything we're ever going to need to know forever because we will fail and we will fall so hard. He gives us what we need for this season. He gives us what we need for the next step. And the attitude of faith says, okay, got it. Got it. Don't know what the future is going to hold, but I know what God said about this next step. Got it. I don't know how it's going to play out if I forgive that person who's done me wrong. But I know God's asked me to do it. I don't know if it'll change their heart. I don't know if it'll reconcile the relationship. I don't know if it's going to be a new beginning. I don't know. But I know what God asked me to do. Got it. I'm just going to take that one step. Trust him with my next step. Not try to play out all the possible angles like a, like a discover the, your own ending novel. You're like, should I do this or this? Oh, man, decision. Just next step. Got it. Today we're talking about, about faith. The faith that we see at Christmas time. If you would, if you have your Bible with me, uh, first and foremost, could you just turn to the book of Psalm chapter 27? I'm going to just speak this, uh, this Psalm first as kind of like an Advent reading, and then we're going to dive into the Christmas story, okay? Psalm chapter 27 and verse 13. Psalm chapter 27 and verse 13 and verse 14, okay? It says this, I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Let me read it one more time. I remain confident in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart 
and wait for the Lord. Speaking into somebody's faith right now who has believed the only good for them is on the other side of eternity. It says in the land of the living. Come on. You're like, well, I guess things will get good in heaven one day. No, no, in the land of the living. Don't lose your confidence. Don't lose your courage. Remain confident in this. I love, in the, in the Hebrew language, this word confidence, it, it, it's a, a picture given this way. A baby in the arms of a nurse. A baby in the arms of a nurse. A baby in the arms of the nurse calms down. Newborn parents, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, ah, I'm going to break its arms or legs or things. And then a nurse comes and just wraps it up. And all of a sudden the baby's relaxed. Why? Because somebody knows what they're doing. Because babies don't come with manuals, right? Somebody knows what they're doing through repetition and consistency. They wrap up and bring that safety. God wants you to remain confident in this. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In this day, in this time, in this season, in this juncture, in this transition, in this moment, in this time, God's got goodness in store for you. So remain confident. Come on, that's what, something you can act on in faith. Let's pray and then dive into the Christmas story. Jesus, thank you so much that you'd reveal your nature to us today. I pray that faith would come to reside in our hearts today and that we do something with it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me show you some, some bold acts of faith in the Christmas story, some bold acts of faith. First of all, we're going to talk about Mary. Bold acts of faith in the Christmas story. If you have the, the, the book of Luke, open it up. Book of Luke chapter 1. It's probably the most comprehensive version of the Christmas story told in Scripture. Quoted by Linus in uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Uh, Luke chapter 1 says this, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. This virgin's name was Mary. Can someone say Mary? Mary. Come on, can everyone say Mary? Mary? Angel went to her and said this, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I want to just make this note that the favor of God is simply this, that he's with you. That's what God's favor looks like. That's what God's favor is equivalent to. It's his presence. God's favor is not that he's at afar throwing blessings your way. It's that he is drawn near to you. He is drawn close to you. He's not leaving you. He's not abandoning you. Because I know even good things, if handled poorly, can turn into bad things. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. Are you with me? But, but the presence of God actually gives us the, the fruit of his spirit, which includes self-control so we can engage in something that is good and get the best out of it. The, 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 the presence of God develops in us patience so we can wait for great and not just settle for good. The presence of God, the nearness of God gives us joy in broken circumstances because that's the fruit of the spirit. The presence of God gives us gentleness and allows us to be kind in circumstances that might otherwise callous us. So he says, you're highly favored, God's with you. Want to tell you, church, you're highly favored, God's with you. He's promised he will be. We are highly favored, God's with us. The favor of God is not expressed through getting the greatest deal on double coupon day. The favor of God is his nearness. 
The favor of God is his presence. The favor of God is not something you look at others and say, it doesn't seem like they've ever gone through anything. I guess God favors them more than me. No, God is with you in the storm. That's what the favor of God looks like. So he was about to introduce to Mary the most chaotic storm she could imagine. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled by these words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. Why? Because no one had ever greeted her that way before. That's a weird sort of greeting, right? Like if you read a letter, you can sort of expect to see like dear so-and-so or maybe to whom it, it concerns. Here she sees, has an angel appear to her saying, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And she is troubled. She's like, I've never heard that before. That's a weird way to start a conversation. She's troubled. She's a little concerned, but the angel says to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great, and uh, he'll be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So he goes, just wanted to give you some good news. You're about to become the queen mother to a king that will, will eternally reign. Uh, Mary's question is quite logical. She says this, how? Not a bad question, right? She goes, how will this be uh, since I am a virgin? It's like just there's maybe one critical piece of information you're missing in this story. That all sounds good, uh, but I am a virgin. The angel responds this way, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, for no word from God will ever fail. And then Mary's response, so full of faith, she says this, I'm the Lord's servant. May your words to me be fulfilled. And the angel left. The simplicity of her faith, the simplicity of her faith to simply say, I'm ready. I'm ready. God, I'm ready for what you have for me. For some of us here, the, the, the plan and destiny that God has for your life is so crazy that it leaves you asking a question like, well, how are you going to do that? Like, how are you going to use me to influence people? I'm a bad influence on myself, right? Like, how are you, how are you going to use me to, to be a blessing to others? Like, I don't even have enough to get by myself. How are you going to do that, God? And we see in this Christmas story the, the miraculousness of God where he goes, I'll make up all that's missing. Like, I will fill this equation with everything else that's needed. She goes, there's one massive part to this equation about having a baby that just uh, it doesn't add up right now. There's, there's a gap in the math right now. I, I, I didn't do well in all subjects in school, but that biology one I caught, it won't work that way. I'm a virgin, okay? And God says this, don't worry, I'll fill in whatever gaps exist in you right now so you can be the person I've called you to be. And she simply says, I'm ready. May it be as you have said. I think for some of us, God has been trying to speak destiny for a while. And we got caught up on the how. And we've gotten stuck on that how piece. We're like, well, God, how? And he goes, I'll fill that. Yeah, but how will you fill? Like, how will you fill that gap? That's generally I've found not the way God works. When we say how, often we're really saying when, 
why, where, what. Give me all the details first so that no faith is required. Mary asks one simple question. I just want you to, she exposes her own weakness. God, just say no. That's actually completely impossible. And God says, don't worry, nothing's impossible with me. And so she says in faith, may it be as you've said. You know, the faith doesn't look like you've got to scramble. It's not like she's like, well, how am I going to make this happen? How am I going to do this? No one's ever done this before. There's no, there's no like step one, step two, step, how, do, how does a virgin conceive and, and give birth? And how do you prepare a baby to be a king? And how can that king stay in eternity? How am I going to do all this? She simply says, God, clearly it's impossible without you. So I'm just going to step back and trust you. I, I trust you. See, faith. That active faith sometimes appears on the outside as as a passive response. But the most faith-filled thing we can do at some point is say, Jesus, take the wheel. Right? Like at some point, that's the most faith you can ever express is just to let go of your situation. Stop trying to micromanage your own life and say, Jesus, I'm just going to trust you. You've said you're going to bring about some results, and I can't see how you're going to do them. But if you say that nothing you promise is ever going to fail, I'm just going to trust you on this one. There's some of you here, you feel like I might have gotten myself into the wrong situation trying to figure out how to, in faith, respond to the promises of God. Friend, at some point, you just got to let go of micromanaging your situation and say, God, I'm holding on to your promise. And I can't hold on to your promise and my process at the same time. I can't hold on to your promise and try to make this happen. So I'm just going to hold on to the promise. And so Mary, real simply, think of how much complexity is about to come to her life. But she's like, God, I trust you. And let's go. She now has to explain it to her parents. She now got to explain it to her fiance. Think of this one. Hey, Joseph, so we need to talk. Yeah, what, what's up? Are we changing the wedding colors again? No, 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 no. We need to talk. Please don't tell me you're adding to the guest list. My family can't afford any more. No, 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 no. Like, we need to talk right now. Okay, what's up? She goes, okay. Two things. Number one, I'm pregnant. But number two, still a virgin. <laughs> Didn't cheat. He goes, uh, Mary, I don't think that's how it works. I know it's not how it's worked in the past, but crazy chaos she just brought to someone else. You know what I think is interesting? That sometimes our step of faith actually propels the people around us into the realm of faith. That when we take a step of faith, it requires those around us to ha- take a step in kind. If you're married right now, you take a step of faith, what's about to happen to your spouse is that they're, they're going to have to take a step of faith with you. If you're in, in business right now and you take a step of faith, what's about to happen to your business partner is they're going to have to take that step of faith with you. It, it, like Mary, she goes, hey, God. Let it be as you have said. And then Joseph has this bomb dropped on him. My fiance is pregnant. She claims it's not, not anyone's. So that's cool. Don't know how I'm going to tell that to my parents. 
Don't know how I'm going to tell that to my friend. His plan, he, he's a good guy, okay? He's like, look, Mary, it's cool. It's cool. I'm not going to draw this thing out. We'll just we'll keep it quiet. You know, maybe you go on a holiday. Maybe I go on a holiday, and we just kind of we, we just call it off. He goes, it's cool. Don't, don't worry about it. I get it. She goes, no, you don't get it. He goes, well, I, I kind of get it. It's okay. He, he's, he's noble. He's upright. He doesn't want to draw this thing out and point out her flaws. And, and we see in the book of Matthew, if you turn there, because I want to I just highlight uh, Joseph's faith. I think Joseph, he, he kind of, he gets forgotten in this Christmas story, right? Like, let's be honest, whenever a baby is born, it's all about mom, right? And that's okay. That's okay. But here for Joseph, he has a pretty big faith step to take himself. We see in the book of Matthew, in the book of Matthew chapter 1, it says this. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Okay, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she found out that she was pregnant, though the baby was the Holy Spirit's. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he didn't want to expose her publicly. He had in his mind to divorce her quietly. Just keep it on the DL. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets, that the virgin would conceive and give birth to a son, and they'd call him Emmanuel. Remember the little hint I was talking about? It says this, verse 24, when Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. But he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to the son, and then he gave him the name Jesus. I love this right here because God changes Joseph's plans. Think a few things that could be noted. Number one, God changes Joseph's plans while he's at rest. Something to ponder, some food for thought. For some of us, before there is going to be the revelation of faith, we just need to rest. Perhaps for some of us, stressing out about it, what am I going to do, 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 just go to sleep, get some rest, be at peace. You say, oh, I just need to get right, I need to get healed, I need to get better, I need, just be at rest. And then at the right moment, God speaks to him. He goes, Joseph, what Mary said is true. And what Mary said is not just about Mary, it's about you as well, because there's a role for you to play. And in essence, in this moment, God says to Joseph, I want you to be my son's stepdad. Think about how intense that is. He's like, I want you to raise my son. In fact, I want you to give him his name. You raise my boy. Teach him what, what it looks like to be a man. Teach him what it looks like to to respond properly to others. Teach him what it looks like to to obey the law. He's like, but isn't he the word? Yeah. It's crazy. I just love the simplicity of this. It says when Joseph woke up, he did it. He did it. It doesn't say when Joseph woke up, then he called together some of his guy friends. He's like, guys, need to bounce this idea off you here. 
feel like uh, feel like there's some big moves about to happen. What do you think? When Joseph woke up, he did it. When Joseph woke up, he didn't go, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to kind of lay out a few little fleeces and see what God does. Maybe, maybe God will reveal himself. He's like, God already revealed himself. He gave me something to do. So until I've done that thing, I'm not going to ask for another list. Man, so often we're like, okay, God, just show me steps two, three, and four, and then it'll make sense. Joseph's like, step one, I'm in. So you see the simplicity of Mary's faith? It, it looks like passively waiting, saying, I don't even know how God's going to do this, but I'm ready to receive. For Joseph, his step of faith looks like immediacy. It looks like action. Somebody here, you know what your next step is, and you've been putting it off for far too long. Take that next step. See what God will do. Take that step of obedience. See what God will do. Come on, have that conversation you need to have and see what God will do. Make that move and see what God will do. Take that risk and see what God will do. Because that's what faith is. Faith is a response to what you've already heard. So for Mary, she says, may it be to me as you have said. Come what may, I'm just going to trust God. For Joseph, he said, God has spoken. Here I go. One step of faith. And that day he woke up and with immediacy he said, Mary, come on, let's do this thing. Let's speed up the timeline. Let's have our wedding. Let's make this happen. I want to celebrate with you. We're going to do this. We're going to raise this baby. I just I love the simplicity of that faith, the immediacy of that faith. Okay, God just gave me this massive responsibility to be the stepdad of his baby. But I'm in. I got this. Takes that step. You know, in, Mary, in Mary's case, it would seem as though God's plan for her was a good plan just in the wrong time. You with me? Right? Three people agree. Anyone else? It would seem that sometimes God's plan for us, they're, they're great plans. It just seems like his timing's off. His timing's actually perfect. Okay, in Joseph's case, it would seem like just straight up it's a bad plan. Joseph's like, it's not a timing thing at all. I just don't like the plan. I'd prefer a different plan. But God spoke, so he said, I'm taking that step right now, right here. I'm in. The amazing thing that, ha that happens here is that Mary and Joseph's steps of faith actually begin to spread exponentially. Remember I said when you take a step of faith, it passes to someone else. And then Joseph takes that step of faith, and now they're in it together. And two are better than one because they bring a better increase. The Bible says one can send 1,000 to flight, but two can send 10,000 to flight. So now their faith has come together. And, and, and in the, the stages of pregnancy, Mary's like, guess what? I just, I just found out our baby's now the size of a chickpea. Isn't that crazy? He's like, yeah, it's awesome. That's great. I'm in it. I'm, I'm ready to father this baby. Oh, it's the size size of, you know, a, a, a kumquat now. And like, it's growing with all the, the vegetables of the Middle East, right? He's like, it's great. I've got a baby the size of a gourd now. It's about time. And they are called at that time to go present themselves in Bethlehem as their legal duty to be counted. And this is like that Luke chapter 2 Christmas story where it says they came to Bethlehem and there was no room for them in the inn. And Joseph's like, man, I like we haven't even had our honeymoon yet. And I got a nine-month pregnant wife that I just had to drag across the countryside in the hot desert on the back of a donkey, right? We got swollen ankles. We got all sorts of things going on. And now I can't even provide. I'm supposed to be raising God's kid. Can't even find a place for God's kid to stay. 
and, and everyone's shutting me down and everyone's turning me down and the only thing I could find is a stable and they're like, don't worry, there's a manger. That's where animals eat of. And if she has this baby tonight, I'm going to have to put this baby in a place that animals eat out of. Man, I'm like the worst stepdad ever, right? Like God, he's got all the heaven. Here I am. I can only provide a manger. And they're taking these steps of faith because of something God already said. I bet you they had to hold on to faith that night. I bet you they had to believe and persevere in faith that night and say, I, like, he didn't explain all the details of what it would be like to deliver my, my wife's baby and all that would come with that and then place it in a manger. But they held on in faith that night. And because of their faith, faith came to a larger group of people. It says that night there was a group of shepherds that were keeping watch over their sheep. That night in the city of Bethlehem, there was a group of night shift shepherds who were keeping watch over their sheep. That night when everyone else was resting, when everyone else was sleeping, there was a group of people on the very bottom of societal ladders, on the very bottom of their societal structure, who took care of livestock, and they were like so low on the scale that they did it at night. They were the night shift shepherds who slept all day so they could prepare enough energy to sit and watch sheep sleep at night. And it says this, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were terrified. Yeah! They hadn't interacted with other living things except for sheep in quite a while. They knew the night well. And they, they maybe they took the night shift because they liked to catch a couple, uh, a little nap here and there. They're like, oh, don't worry, I'll watch for wolves. You grab a sleep and then we'll swap. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears and then it's bright and it's light out and, it, and the glory of the Lord shines and they're terrified. And the angel says this, do not be afraid because I bring you good news of great joy for all people to you today. A Savior has been born. Then the angel says this, and here will be a sign for you. You're going to find this particular baby lying in a manger. See, the step of faith that Mary took led to a step of faith that was required of Joseph. The step of faith they took together led to an invitation to a whole group of people who would find Jesus lying in a manger. When they went and found him, man, they had the confident faith to not disqualify themselves. I think that's the most inspirational thing about the shepherds, perhaps disqualified their whole life. But that night, they said, well, what, what do we have to lose? Let's go see if we can find. All we got to do is sneak around in the barns. Because there's no way we can go knock on people's doors in the middle of the night and be like, hey, any babies born here lately? Like, what kind of a, like, you woke us up out of bed to ask us if a baby was born? All we need to do, this low bar of faith that we need to take is go look in barns and see if we find a baby. Isn't that amazing that sometimes a step of faith is actually pretty easy? It's like a low bar that God sets because he wants to be inclusive. In the same manner, he goes, hey, here's my low bar. I want everyone to experience salvation. So my bar is not perfection because no one would get that. My bar is not effort because our effort comes and goes. My bar is not that you come from the right kind of background because that's not fair. Here's my bar right here. Just believe in Jesus. There's my bar. I'm just going to place it right here so that whoever believes can be called sons and daughters of the king. That whoever is willing to go look in a manger to find a say, I'm just going to bring that bar of faith down low so everybody can get over it. Are you with me today? Here's what God is saying. He goes to the shepherds, hey, I want you 
to find me. I'm not trying to be hard to find. In your step of faith, God is not trying to be sneaky. He's not trying to be hard to get. He's not playing coy with you. He's not at a distance. He's made himself available in simple steps of faith. So the group of shepherds, the angels disappear. They're like, guys, what do we have to lose? Let's just go check a couple barns and see what happens. And they go and they get to be the first people to witness the coming of the Messiah. They get to be the first people to go and spread the message of the coming of the Messiah. The first evangelists are shepherds that God chose out of his kindness, out of his goodness. All they were willing is to take one step of faith and go look in a barn. And it says when they returned, they were glorifying and praising God because it happened just as he said it would like, we did find a baby, and he was in a manger. I knew it. Isn't that amazing? See, for some of us here today, there's a step of faith for us to take that is made available because other people took steps of faith. For some, perhaps it's like a parent took a step of faith and positioned you in a place for you to take your own step. For all of us, there, there are steps of faith taken as the, the nation we call home was being established that allows us in freedom to find truth and to hold on to it and build our lives upon it. But with that, that peaceful submission of Mary, we need to say, God, what you have for me, let it happen. I'm not going to resist it anymore. With the immediacy of Joseph, we need to be, God, just, like, I don't know everything I'm going to be called to do, but I'm going to do the thing you asked me to do because that's what faith looks like. Faith is, comes from hearing. Like the shepherds, to have the humility to not disqualify ourselves. Someone said, oh, humility? Yeah, often in our own pride, we think of all the reasons why others would be better at it because we're so focused on all our own imperfections, which is a form of pride. But in humility, they're like, well, God showed up on the hillside. Let's go do this thing. And see what we can find. In the same way their faith is our faith. Submission and immediacy and humility. See in Psalms it says I'm still confident in this. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Friend you will. But as God reveals it. It's going to require some of those same things. That you say God may it happen to me as you have said. I'm not going to try to, to micromanage this this blessing into my life. I'm just going to simply trust you and wait on you. It's going to take that immediacy, a step of obedience, a, a, a sacrifice that is required, like Joseph, to say, I don't know everything I'm going to need to do, but I know this one thing. And it's going to take the humility to just step over that really low bar and say, I'm, tr I'm trusting you right now, God. I'm trusting you right now. I'm not going to disqualify myself. Because even right now as I speak, there's some people that rolling through their head is a list of all the reasons why God could probably do better than me. He could probably choose better than me. He probably could pick someone better and more fitting than me. But he wants you. He loves you. He's called you. So I think, again, just that when my son, when I give him instruction, and he says, I got it. It's going to change the way I live. It'll change the way I act. Got it. The message of Christmas, of Christmas for you and I is one where we can say, okay, got it. That's what faith looks like. Got it. I'm going to do the same now. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. 
Have the best day.